the first step in, in knowing what is true and, and knowing how to live your life and, and what to believe and what is right and what is wrong is to, to have a relationship with Jesus and then strive to make that relationship with Jesus better. Now, I did a little experiment this week um, after last week's sermon. Uh, I thought it was pretty good, and, and so I, I went home, and I thought, I'll try to put that into practice. And, and uh, Peter told us in last week's sermon that, that we have everything in us for life and godliness, for eternal life and, and the ability to live for Jesus. And so I tried to live the perfect week. And, uh, and I can tell you this about my experiment. First of all, I didn't live the perfect week. My wife can tell you that. Uh, but I, I did live a much better week than, than normal. And so, uh, so I think that what Peter said was true. Uh, I think that if we really will strive to live more like Jesus, then, then we have everything within us to make that happen through God's grace, not on our own accord. And so, so I encourage you to do the same. And I think what we'll see today is that Peter continues to help us understand how we can, we can know what real knowledge is. And I think he will continue to speak truth to us. And so, picking up in verse 12, he says this, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you now know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Now, Peter says, I am going to always remind you of these things. And when he says these things, he is talking about the things that he has just said in verses 3 through 11. And that's what I just caught you up to speed with. Uh, mainly that, that we need to know Jesus in order to have knowledge and, and to be able to understand truth. And we need to be striving to live for God. And, and he gave some specific things there that he called the divine nature. And, and so Peter says, look, I, I want to always remind you about these things. What's fascinating about that is that he actually, as he says that, he uses the future tense. Uh, and so he says, look, I want to always remind you, and he says that about the future. And, and a lot of people argue and debate about why he uses the future uh, tense there. And a couple of explanations. First of all, some people think that he, he's going to continue to remind them, and he's going to, to keep telling them and write other letters. But that doesn't make sense because as we'll see in a minute, and we talked about last week, Peter is about to die, and so it doesn't make sense for him to say, hey, I'm just going to keep reminding you as we move forward. Uh, another option, uh, and this is the option that I go with, is that Peter is is saying, look, I'm writing this book not just so that you will uh, remember one time what I'm about to tell you, but so that in the future you, you will be able to understand these things and continue to look back on the reminders that I have given you. And so the reminder that I'm giving you is not just for now, it's for the future. And, and verse 15 seems to back that up when he reiterates this statement and, and seems to say, look, I'm writing this letter so that you will always be able to remember these things. You will always be able to remember that knowledge starts with God and, and continues as we strive to live our lives for God. Now, what he says about these people is interesting because I, I think it's true of all Christians. I think Peter could have said it about all of us. He says, even though you already know them. He says, look, you already have the beginning of knowledge. You already know that you should be living for God. And so I don't really have the need to tell you, but I, I think that it's my job to remind you. Now, 
Now, this is something that Paul talks about throughout his letters. Paul, Paul speaks often about knowing the will of God because the Holy Spirit comes upon those who have given their lives to Christ. And that's what the New Testament teaches us. We give our lives to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And now we begin to understand truth and we begin to know how we should live and what's right and what's wrong and, and what is true and what is not true. And Paul actually has this big segment of scripture in Romans where he talks about knowing exactly what he should do but the struggle is not in the knowing the struggle is in the doing and and how he does what he doesn't want to do but what he wants to do he doesn't do and he continues to sin and finally he just says hey i'm thankful for the grace of god and jesus that saved me from all of this sin and so peter i think says basically the same thing here he says look i want to remind you of this even though it's already in you when you gave your life to Jesus, this, this ability for knowledge and the beginning of knowledge started. But I, I want to remind you so that you continue to live it out and you continue to pursue a, a life of godliness and a life that, that honors and glorifies Jesus. And so that is what Peter is saying to these people and I think to us, even though they already are, are firmly established in the truth, uh, the gospel and what that means to them. In verse 13, he says, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Now, it's interesting that Peter says this here because he doesn't just repeat what he just said, but he actually adds a word to it. And, and the word that we see in English uh, is the word that uh, is refresh. But refresh is not nearly strong enough in, in the Greek language. Uh, the word actually means Something closer to wake up fully, to rouse, to excite, uh, to insight. Uh, and that's kind of the feel of it. Uh, basically, what Peter is saying is, look, I don't just want to help you think about these things. I want to excite your knowledge of these things, excite your memory of these things, so it compels you to live a life that is different, that is better, that is more godly. Now, I think this is one of the greatest problems with Christianity. I think it speaks to what we see uh, in the American church today. And that is that oftentimes people remember in their heads that Jesus died for their sins. Yeah, I accepted Jesus when I was a kid and, and that was a good thing. And, and they kind of live their lives with that memory there. But that memory is not excited. It's not incited. It's not, it doesn't compel them to do anything different in their lives except for have some mental capacity to think about Jesus. But what I think Peter is saying when he says, hey, I think it is right to refresh your memory. What he's saying is, hey, I don't just want you to, to, to again think about Jesus. I want to, to push that memory to cause you to be excited about your relationship with Christ. I want to make that memory active in your life as opposed to just a mental thought. And I think when I look at the church today, not just our church, but, but the church in America, the Christian church, Christianity in general, we have a major problem because we have lots of people with the memory of Jesus. Yeah, I believed at some point that Jesus died for me on a cross and saved me from those sins, but that doesn't play out in their everyday lives. And I think what Peter is saying is, hey, I'm writing this letter so that that memory, that thing that you know about, that gift that you accepted of Jesus at some point in your life, so that that becomes a real and tangible part of your life on a daily basis. And I think what is true of Christianity is that, that we don't just need to know about Jesus, but each and every single day, we should incite that memory in our lives so that we live differently. I'm sorry for the popping. Um, and and we, should, we should wake up every morning and say, I don't just know that, that Jesus gave his life for me. I don't just 
just know that I have a relationship with God, but I know it in a way that causes me to live a different life. I think Peter understands here that if we're going to have knowledge in, in a dimly lit world, then we can't just be people who have some thought about Jesus from a long time ago, but we need to be people who, who recognize daily what Jesus did for us, and it causes us to live a different life. And so the first thing that we see in this passage of Scripture, 12 through 18, is, is that we need to be people who don't just say, yeah, I, I believe Jesus gave his life. We need to be people who say, man, because I believe that Jesus gave his life for me, it's going to compel me to go out and live for him today. It's going to excite me to live for him. I think that we need to have that memory refreshed in our lives each and every day. Now, as Peter writes this and he says, look, I think it is is a job of mine before I I die. Uh, I think it's a job of mine to to refresh this memory in you. And so I'm writing this letter so that that you can look back on and have that memory refreshed. I think that 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 wasn't just Peter's job, but I think that is uh, one of the reasons that we have church. I think it's one of the reasons that God gave us the gift of church. He, he, needs, he, he wants each of us to look at each other and say, Hey, I want to refresh your memory of Jesus. I want to make it new again. I want to make it exciting again. I don't, want to, I don't want it to any longer be some moment that took place at some time in your past, but I want it to be something that today affects who you are as a person. I think what Peter says to these people should be part of our lives. We should say, hey, I I want to be a person that refreshes the memory of Jesus in every Christian's life that I come across on a daily basis and every person that I go to church with. said that we're launching our Connect groups in, in January and and one of the things that I, that I struggle with with the, the typical small group setting, one of the reasons that we're trying to do it differently is the small groups that have become a lot of times about answering some questions. And they've become about a group of individuals sitting there trying to answer questions and, and there's not a lot of interaction. So we're developing these groups in order that we can do this very thing. We can excite each other's memories of Jesus. And it's not just about one person telling somebody else, hey, you should be excited about Jesus. It's us as a group pushing each other to have that memory inside it so that we live our lives differently. That's why we're doing it because of what Peter has said here in essence, hey, I want to refresh your memory of Jesus. If we're going to have knowledge in this dimly lit world that makes it confusing and difficult and and a struggle, then, then one of the main things that we need to do is we need to have the thought of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross refreshed every single day so that it's new and, and we're excited about it. And so we must wake up and not just say, hey, I think Jesus, Jesus died for me. And I've tried that, you know, like I just first thought, think about Jesus. I don't think that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, look, you got you to be excited about it. You have to really say, man, I can't believe that the God of the universe would come down to this earth and, and die on a cross for the things that I do wrong and will do wrong today. That's amazing, and so I'm compelled to live my life differently. I think that's what Peter is saying to us here, uh, that he wants to refresh these people's memory so that it's different. Now, he says that uh, this, he says, as long as I am in the tent of this body, he wants to keep doing this. Now, in the Greek, the words in this body are actually not there. Uh, it just says in this tent, and uh, the NIV translation is added in this body to help us understand his meaning, and it really was just, Uh, It was just a metaphor for uh, the body. The tent was a metaphor for the body. And what Peter is saying is, as long as I am alive. Now, we're going to come back to that in a second. And so let me read verse 14 and we'll come back to that. He says, because I know that I will soon put it aside 
as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And then in verse 15, And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Now, a couple of things that I want to point out here. First of all, he says, look, I want to refresh your memory as long as I am in the tent of this body, as I said. And then in verse 14, he says, Jesus has told me that I am going to die soon. And we don't know what the reason for that is. We don't know why Peter uh, understands that he is going to die soon. There's some theories out there. Some people say that this, this statement is connected to John 13:36, where, where Peter says, Simon, it, where it says, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. And so some people see it connected to that. Other people think that, that it's just this, this extra biblical thing, that, that there's, no, there's no verse in the Bible that this points to. But most people see it as connected to John uh, 21, 18 and 19. And there it says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the type of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And so if you know the story, uh, Jesus is going to the cross. And before he does that, he says, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And, and Peter does that, and Jesus dies. And then Jesus is resurrected again. And, and, and Jesus wants to forgive Peter. He says, hey, let's have a conversation. And he says, hey, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. And he says that to him three times. And, and so the forgiveness is there for the three times that he denied Jesus. And then he says this to him. He says, hey, someday you're going to be a prisoner. You're going to be led where you do not want to go. Now, Peter, when he's writing the book of Second Peter, and this is what I believe, is seeing the handwriting on the wall. He, he probably is living near Rome, and he sees that Nero is beginning to persecute. Nero being uh, the emperor of Rome at the time, is beginning to persecute Christians. And if you know about Nero, he was a horrible, horrible person who did horrible things to Christians, such as uh, he would use them to light his gardens when he had parties. Uh, he would light a Christian on fire and, and use them as... as firewood basically he, he would actually uh clothe himself uh with with skins of, of wild animals that they had hunted and he would keep the claws on them and then he would hunt christians in his courtyard and so i think what's happening is that peter is seeing all of this and he's going okay i'm getting older and i know what jesus said to me and so i know that the end has to be near i know that i'm going to be arrested and killed because i'm i'm getting older and jesus has already told me the type of death that i am going to die so peter says look i i want to tell you this while i'm in this tent but i recognize that i'm not going to be in this tent very much longer and then he says like i said in verse 15 he says i will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things and so 15 is really just a reiteration of what he said in in verse 12 it's pretty much the same statement he says that he's going to do it diligently he adds that to it but i want you to notice here that he uses the word departure for for his death he says departure and that greek word is actually the greek word exodus and it only shows up three times in the New Testament. Uh, shows up once in Hebrews where Paul is talking about the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt in the Old Testament. It shows up at the transfiguration where, where God is talking to Jesus, the Father is talking to the Son, and, he, and they're talking about the departure or the exodus. And now it shows up here in Peter. Now, the other thing that's interesting is, is when you go over to the Transfiguration, which is in view in 16 through 18, and we'll talk about that in a second, Peter also says there during that story, he says, hey, 
it would be good for us to set up tents. He's looking at God, and he's looking at Elijah and Moses, and he's looking at Jesus, and they're all glorified, and they've come back from heaven except for Jesus. He just looks heavenly, and he says, hey, I should set up a tent here. And so what I think we see in Peter, and this is especially important to, to me this week, is I think we see a, a really theology of death. I think what Peter does for us in this passage of Scripture, in these three verses, is he helps us understand death a little better. And so he has this transfiguration in mind where Jesus manifests his full glory right on earth. And he uses two of the same words. And I think what Peter is saying is this. He says, look, I wanted to set up a tent at that mountain. I wanted to set up a tent and be there forever. But when that moment ended, I recognized that the real tent, the real camping place, is this stupid body. And someday I'm going to get rid of this tent, and I'm going to be able to go where I want to be, to my heavenly home, where Jesus, who has promised to provide for me a mansion. And so what I think we see first in Peter is, is he's saying, look, I'm going to die soon, but that's a good thing. I, I'm, I'm done with this tent. I want to set up my permanent tent in the, in the presence of Jesus. I tried to do it once. I couldn't do it then, but the time for that is about to take place. I also think what he's saying is, is that, that when we depart, when we go, uh, it, isn't just, it isn't just death. It's us actually being freed from these bodies where we get to go into real freedom in heaven someday. He uses that word exodus, and there's only two other connections he can be using there because that's not the same word for death. Uh, he says, look, it, it can be connected to the Israelites getting out of Egypt, right? Freedom. Uh, they really became a nation. They became the people of God there. Or it can be connected to Jesus dying and then rising again and leaving this earth to sit on a heavenly throne in glory forever. And so when Peter says Exodus, he's saying, look, I don't see my death as a stopping point. I see my death as the freeing point when I get to move on to eternity where I will be in the presence of Jesus. I'm going where he has gone. You know, I hate death as, as much as anybody probably. I, I hate knowing that I'll probably watch loved ones die. Uh, Kathy, who was a friend of Jan's and really a friend of mine, passed away this week. And I hate it. Uh, I hate it. Uh, I don't like it uh, at all. I, I really struggle with the idea of death. I hate birthdays because it's one step closer. Uh, but uh, as true. You can talk to Bryn. I, I really don't like it. And, and it's not just one step closer for me because I'm okay with dying, but it's one step closer to people I love uh, being gone from my life. I struggle with death. But when I look at Peter and I look at his attitude about it, it's helpful. I'm not going to say overnight I'm going to be just comfortable that, that it's not going to make me sad anymore because that would be abnormal. But when I look at it through the eyes of Peter, I said, look, this is what death is. Death is leaving this body that is separating me from Jesus, this stupid tent. And, and it's allowing me to go and live in my mansion in the presence of Jesus, my best friend who I loved and who loved me unconditionally. And death is really a removal from, from the, the slavery of this world. The slavery of pain and the slavery of sorrow and the slavery of watching other people that you love die. It's a freedom from that and it moves us into eternal glory with Jesus. I tell you this, I do not know how people face death that do not know Jesus as their Savior. But when we know Jesus as our Savior, when we accept the gift that he gave us on the cross, we don't have to look at death the same anymore. 
Yes, we'll be sad because we lose people. But no, we don't have to look at it the same. We can look at it as an exodus where we leave this stupid tent that hurts and struggles and has pain. And we get to go live in eternal glory with the God who saved us by dying on a cross. That is how Peter views death. And he looks at his death and he says, this is coming soon. And this is why I want to remind you uh, about these things because because I'm going to be gone soon. And so I need you to remember these things that I'm telling you. And he moves on uh, in in verses uh, 16 through 18, and he says this, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard the voice that came from heaven when we were there with him on the sacred mountain. So Peter is looking at these people and he's saying, look, I need to prove to you that what I'm saying is true. I need to prove to you that part of the knowledge that you can have in this world comes through the apostles who wrote the Bible and who were the eyewitness testimonies of Jesus. I need you to know that's true. Now, he's talking at a time when when false teachers have have cropped up. One of the main things that the false teachers are saying is that Jesus is not coming back. They're saying that. They're just flat out saying, hey, this guy's not coming back. And you know the logic that they're using is pretty similar to the logic that, that I hear about being a pastor today. Uh, one of the pieces of logic is, hey, these people are, are telling this story so that they can have more power and they can control you. And so Peter has probably heard this. You know, Peter just wants to be the big shot, and so he's telling you Jesus is coming back so that he can scare you. They're probably also using logic and reason. Hey, that doesn't make sense. Look at the world order. It's been like this forever, and, and things aren't changing. And so Peter is dealing with these false teachers, and, and, and he, this is a specific issue that he's dealing with, but I think he's dealing with them broadly. And again, it's a broad kind of vague book that, that speaks to lots of situations in life. And his response to that question, to the, to the idea that Jesus may not come back, is to say, I've seen Jesus. I've seen him in his glory. And he points back to the story that I mentioned earlier called the Transfiguration. You can read this story in Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. You can read it in Mark 2, 9, excuse me, 2 through 8, and Luke 9, 28 through 36. But I'll read it from Matthew. Matthew 17, 1 through 9 says this. After six days, Jesus took, uh, excuse me, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John, the bro- and the brother, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then he appeared before, just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And so here's what Peter says. Peter says, Look, these guys are talking about how Jesus isn't coming back. But I have seen Jesus in all his glory. 
And there's no way that we're not going to see that again. In fact, if you were to look at the story of the Transfiguration, you were to keep reading, you'll find that in every one of the instances that is recorded in the Bible, immediately after it, Jesus begins to talk about the eternal kingdom in heaven that will last forever and ever. And so the Transfiguration, according to the Bible, is not just a moment in history, but it is a prophetic moment where those three disciples got to see what it will look like to live forever and ever with Jesus. And notice, Peter wanted to be there, right? And so the transfiguration was not just a moment for those guys to grow. It wasn't just a moment where they could have proof that Jesus was who he said he was. It was a moment when they got to see what eternity was going to look like. It was a moment when God opened their eyes to see what it will look like forever and ever if we have given our lives to Christ. And Peter says here, look, you want to know truth? You want to have knowledge in this dimly lit world? Well, guess what? I'm an eyewitness. I witnessed the glory of Jesus. And so did those other disciples. And so did the other apostles, even though they weren't on that mountain. They have seen and talked and heard from Jesus. And we are the ones telling you about the glory of Jesus and telling you through the Bible how you should live your lives. And I'm, through, and I'm sure through lots of other instruction. And so what Paul, Peter is saying to us is that one of the ways that we can begin to see knowledge is through the eyes of a witness. Through the eyes of his witness, through the eyes of the Paul. Pauline witness through the eyes of John and James and all of the guys who hung out with Jesus on a daily basis and recorded the things that they saw and they heard for us. And when you look at, at most religions, they don't have that, right? Just think about Mormonism and don't hate Mormons. Uh, I love Mormons. Some of my best friends in the world are actually Mormons. I just want to make that clear. But I think they're wrong in a lot of ways. And my best friends know that quite clearly. Uh, and, 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 I, and you look at Mormonism and Joseph Smith tells these stories, right? Tells these stories about seeing an angel of light and being given gold plates. But there's, there's no witness of that. There is no witness besides the witness of Joseph Smith and other people that were claiming to be powerful and miraculous, right? You look back and you look at, at the Islamic faith and you look at uh, Muslim people and they have these stories about their leader Muhammad and the things that he heard and saw and wrote down. There's no witness to that moment. There is nothing saying, hey, this is what took place. Uh, I saw it. I saw Muhammad glowing. I saw it. And then all of a sudden he was miraculously writing these things down. There's, there's no witness for that. You can go down the line. You can you can look at at uh, Buddhism and and you can look at Hinduism and and their their belief that we're going to be reincarnated. But until they are able to say, "I saw a guy get reincarnated," and they are able to write that down for me, then their testimony and their knowledge is not as good as my knowledge because I I have reputable people who saw the glory of Jesus and what eternity would look like and they witnessed the miracles of the Lord and they wrote it down without mistake in the word of God. Peter says, look, you can believe what these guys are telling you, but guess what? I hung out with Jesus. Jesus was my best friend for years. I love Jesus. I was a friend of Jesus. I saw Jesus in all his glory. And so you need to listen to what I'm saying. He is coming back. When you look at our world today, they're going to tell you lots of different sources for information. They're going to say, you know, you can believe your mind, you can believe whatever you want, you can read books, and, and you can go to many religions. And, and there's this, a billion things out there right now, quite literally a billion things out there right now, uh, that people will tell you you can get your knowledge from. But Peter is saying, look, look at us. 
who spent time with Jesus, who literally heard his voice on that mountain, who, who knew Jesus personally, because that is a great step in understanding what real knowledge is. Now, Peter is going to say something that goes along with it that we'll study next week. He says, look, even better than my witness is the prophetic books that have been written down. What's fascinating about that is he's talking about the Word of God, specifically the Old Testament in that statement. Uh, but it applies to us today, and we'll talk more about that. But Peter is, has written some of those books for us. But, but we can look back on the life of Peter and say, man, this guy, this guy who was nice, who was willing to die upside down on a cross because of, of his eyewitness testimony, that's what, that's what tradition tells us, uh, this guy is telling me, how I can believe knowledge. What, what knowledge is, in many cases, when you look at the book of First Peter. Husbands, love your wives. That's knowledge, right? Not everybody will tell you that in our world today. We don't see that in every, other faiths, necessarily. Uh, we don't see that in, in every person in our country, that's for sure. But Peter said that in his first epistle. And what Peter is saying is, hey, believe me, not what the other guy tells you, because I saw Jesus. And the world admits that Jesus changed the world, right? I don't think there's anybody who would go, man, this Jesus guy, he just doesn't matter. He wasn't an important figure. And we have people thousands of years later trying to tell us, well, here's the words of Jesus you can believe. We have other people saying, you can't believe any of the words of Jesus. He was just some nice guy. And, and sure, he might have been a good teacher, but, but there's lots of good teachers. And we can choose to say, sure, I'll believe that. These guys are smart. Or we can look at Peter and we can say, Peter, you stood with him on that mountain in all his glory. And we can choose to believe that. So the first step in, in us knowing knowledge, first step in us seeing knowledge in this world that, that is dim and foggy and difficult uh, for us to understand what truth is, is, is the glasses of godliness. Really to say, hey, I know Jesus and I'm striving to live for Jesus. But the second step is for us to look at Peter and Paul, James and John, and to say, man, I know that you were there with him. And so I'm going to believe what you said. Because I, I'm a follower of Jesus, and you were right with Jesus. And while I would love to have a conversation with Jesus today, you know when you're like, man, if I could just ask Jesus a question, this would be easier. Well, we got guys who are witnesses. We can't get an audible answer most of the time from Jesus. But we have guys who hung out with him, who are telling us what he said. And we need to believe them if we are going to see knowledge in this world. So my hope for you today, as we as we finish and, and as we leave, is... It's really twofold. I want to encourage you, because I know uh, how how prevalent cancer is in our midst right now. Kathy passed away, and, and we see death everywhere, or, or we see almost death just about everywhere, especially in our church, it, it seems. And I want to encourage you that, that Peter saw death death differently than us. He saw it as something good. Uh, I'm sure he was sad and he was scared about what he was going to face to get to that death, but he saw it as a time when he was going to leave this, this body that was holding him back from being with his best friend and his Savior, Jesus. And the second thing I want to encourage you with is, is that we need to trust the eyewitness testimony of these guys who wrote the Word of God for us. We need to trust them, not because they, they were just out there saying stuff, but because they hung out with Jesus and they saw Jesus for everything that he was. So will you pray with me? Lord, uh, I thank you that you gave us an eyewitness account, Lord. Um, God, it's one of the things that makes being a Christian so logical. Uh, and I, I just ask God that, uh, that, we would, that we would take that seriously, Lord. Um, people ask us, is there any proof of, of this Christian thing? Uh, can I believe it? And yes, there is. There's as good an eyewitness account 
for for you, Jesus, and, and who you were and what you did as there is for anything that happened 2,000 years ago and, and lots more, actually, Lord. And so I pray that we would trust that today. I pray for our congregation also, God, that that you would just bring us encouragement in death, Lord. It's all around us, people that we love and people that, that, we, that we love who have loved ones uh, that have died. It is difficult, God, but uh, we know that that when your loved ones passed away, you wept and you cared about us. But we also know, Lord, that you had an eternal perspective on that. And we pray that, that we would cling to that same eternal perspective that you had and that Peter demonstrated in this passage of Scripture, Lord. God, I pray for anybody in this room who, who hasn't taken the first step of, of, of getting knowledge, God, of, of knowing truth. And I, I would ask, Lord, that, that, you would, that you would help them to believe the eyewitness accounts that you have given us in your word and they would take it seriously, God, because... Because what we choose about you is the most serious choice we will ever make, Lord. We love you, God. We pray that we will return to these witnesses over and over and over again through your holy word, God, where where we have their written accounts when we need to know what's next in life or what we should choose, God, or, or what we should think about certain issues. We love you, Father, and we pray these things in your Son's name.